Can you imagine a world immune to all forms of cancer? Ladies and gentlemen, the time has come for our fourth annual live stream for the cure. And this year, we need your help more than ever. Please join us May 27th through May 31st for 48 hours of live content from guests and podcasts around the world. We'll be aiming for our most ambitious goal to date as we try to raise $10,000 for the Cancer Research Institute. Please visit www.livestreamforthecure.com for more information on this year's event and how you can be a part of it. Together, we can make a difference. Welcome to another episode of Two Peas on a Podcast, counting down movies, music, TV, and pop culture, one top five at a time. And now, here are the two peas. Welcome to another episode of Two Peas on a Podcast. I'm so glad that you joined us. As always, I'm thrilled for the topic that we have today. It is very exciting. I cannot believe that we have not done this topic yet. But I'm also excited because we have a first-time guest on the program. Doug is here. He's never been on Two Peas before. He's from Good Times, Great Movies. And we're here to discuss a great one, Doug. Welcome to the show, man. How you doing? Thank you for having me. And uh, you said it. I am shocked that you haven't covered uh, this particular <laughs> subject, let's say, before. I looked back through. I'm an avid listener. And I looked back through and I went, how, yeah. how has this never been touched upon? Well, let's tell the people real quick. What are we counting down today, Doug? Well, we're going to go through our top five Nick Cage movies. And I am very excited. We're, we're getting in the cage, as they say. That's right, yeah. Uh, Mr. Nicholas Cage. So, you know, Doug is from Good Times, Great Movies, and I'll let you pump up your podcast at the end and tell everybody where to find sure, it. Sure. But obviously, you talk about movies frequently and actors and actresses and filmmakers. It's always really exciting here on Two Peas when we dive into the catalog of a specific person. We just did our Jim Carrey movies, which was a lot of fun, mm-hmm. for example. Nicholas Cage, man, I'm going to let you kind of talk about it too. But when you were coming up with this list, you know, what I realized is that. He's got some just amazing, just cinematic feats, and I'm sure a lot of those will come up tonight, but for every one of those, he's got like 10 just piles of shit. 
<laughs> what do you think? I mean, is that a fair assessment or that is, that is a more than a fair assessment? I mean, he he has cornered the direct to streaming market recently, right. and it is it's wild. And I, I mean, you know, he's a guy that goes out and buys Action Comics number one. He's got to pay for that. He bought a castle in Europe. Uh, he's got to pay for yeah, that stuff, yeah. and he knows how to make the money making films. And the thing is that a lot of the films he makes recently, I would say are not good, Mm -hmm. but he's never just coasting. He's never phoning it in. He is always giving it his 100% caginess, let's say. So I I think that's even the bad movies are still somewhat entertaining. Yeah, because of him, and you're right. And there's a couple on my list that I wouldn't say they're bad movies, but I would say that without him and without his cagisms, they would be. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, But yeah, he's, he's one of... I mean, only a handful. I mean, very few actors, especially that are active today, that are just like their own kind of like entity at this point. Like he's just, yeah. I mean, you said it perfectly. I mean, cageism is a thing, you know, and it's like almost a mixture of like really, really good acting, but also overacting. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of like the mar- oh. kind of like a marriage of the two. It's a really weird thing <laughs> he does there. But yeah, it, it, it's. I mean, I think I think you and I, just from listening to you for a while, I think you and I are relatively the same age. Mm-hmm. And, and for a long time, I really didn't pay much attention to who made movies or how movies were made or something like that. You know, they were sheer entertainment, and I didn't really think much about the actors involved or directors. And Nick Cage was one of the first people where I sat down, and it was probably like leaving Las Vegas where I went, wait, is this the same guy that was in Raising Arizona <laughs> and Moonstruck? Like, like, it finally dawned on me, and I really feel like it was Nick Cage that that sort of brought my attention to what actors do and how diverse right. their performances can be. Right. Well, I mean, he's definitely like just. I mean, you know, our buddy Justin over there. So I married a movie geek says mm-hmm. it best because Nicholas Cage is one of his actors on his Mount Rushmore, and I think that's a good kind of analogy to use, especially for like you know living actors that are still working today obviously Nick Cage is where he's probably making a movie right now as we speak. Uh, but yeah, I did this thing the other day, Doug, I was going to say, you know, cause I knew we were doing this list and I was doing a little research to come up with my list. I watched a few Nick Cage movies in the last week or so, which was a blast. I revisited yeah. a couple and then I saw a couple that I had never seen. One of them actually ended up making my list, but uh, I did this thing where I don't know if you have the feature on your streaming service, but I have Apple TV at my house mm-hmm. and you can use Siri to, you can tell her, like, you know, uh, show me movies starring Nicolas Cage. So I did that, and it was literally, like, 50, I'm not even exaggerating, like, 50 <laughs> movies that I had never even fucking heard of. Like, not that I hadn't seen them, I just had never even heard of them in the last, like, 10 yeah. years that he's made. I mean, this guy makes so many movies, man, and if you look at his IMD, it's just, IMDb, there's just so many credits. But I found, oh, I found some gems for my list, dude. I think all 10 of mine, because I've got my honorable mentions as well, are really like a caliber films that I would rewatch tonight if somebody asked me to. Yeah. And when I put my list together, I did the same thing. I went back and I rewatched a few movies and actually I rewatched a couple that I then took off my list. Oh, interesting. Yes. Okay. Um, but I think what I tried to do with my list and I, and I don't know if you approached it the same way, Nick Cage is in some really, really fantastic movies, but if he wasn't a main player, I mean, Rumblefish is great and uh, Fast Times at Ridgemont High is fantastic, but he's a bit player in those. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm not going to put those on. So same here. if he's not first or second right. build, I didn't put it on my list. And if, if, if his performance wasn't 
sort of I, I don't want to yeah, say I didn't crazy, do, but if it, his performance didn't make the film, I left it off. Well, it's well. interesting that you point that out because I, I guess I should give that disclaimer up front because we can have a future list that'll be different than this one is for me because this is just the movie itself. And yes, okay. and yes, he's top build. Uh, so I, you know, for example, I didn't put into the Spider Verse on here, which you know he sure. was in that, but he was only in a couple of scenes, and it was a voice yep. acting. That would by far be one of the best, in my opinion. But that to me is not a Nicolas Cage movie. Uh, a Nicolas Cage movie is one that he's the star of, that he kind of carries the narrative forward. His yes. his character does. But what I was going to say is, we could do a future list of Nicolas Cage performances, and I feel like that yep. list would be, for me at least, vastly different than this one. What about you? I feel like mine would probably be the about same. the same, or, about the same, or at least four of the five would overlap. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, he's got a knack for that, I guess. His performances really do carry a lot of yeah. this film. So, all right, man. So, if you're ready, you're the guest here, Doug I'm from ready. Good Times, Great Movies, first time guest to the peas. Five, four, three, two, one. Here we go. I'm going to let you get us started, man. We're going to get in the cage here, brother. What is your number five Nicolas Cage movie? My number five, I'm going to go pretty recent, and I'm going to go for the horror comedy from 2017 called Mom and Dad. Hey, that's on my honorable mentions. I didn't know if who else has seen that. I love that movie. Talk about why why you picked it, man. Because, I mean, it's a horror comedy in every sense of the term. I, I feel like sometimes that's tough to do. I feel like it either goes way too into horror, way too frightening with a dash of comedy, or it just plays up the laughs way too much. I think this really walks that fine line between the two. Mm-hmm. And the other thing that I love about this is it's way more violent than I thought it was going to right, be. Right. When I when I hear horror comedy, I don't feel that it's going to sort of make me, I don't want to say squeamish, but make me uncomfortable to watch certain scenes. But there are parts in this movie that are pretty rough and pretty tough to watch. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. If people haven't seen it, it's basically, I guess there's like a broadcast signal that goes over the radio and TV that basically turns parents against their children <laughs> right and it's a wild ride like it, it's great it's, man by the by the time the grandparents showed up i could not stop laughing at that point i was in it for the long haul and by long haul this thing's like a breezy 85 minutes yeah. it's fantastic i love this movie too man it's in my honorable mentions it, it didn't make the five but i love this movie i just yeah. saw it for the first time this past october because I, I always do like a horror kind of yep. binge in october and I had never seen it, uh, seen it, but Selma Blair's in there. She's awesome. I love her. Oh, she's fantastic. Uh, Lance Henriksen plays the dad that you were mentioning. <laughs> That's a great scene. But it's such a cool, like, kind of ridiculous premise if you have kids, mm-hmm. dude. Do you have kids? Oh, I do. Yeah, I have, I have three kids. Children. And, you know, it's like you say it in jest, but there's definitely moments daily that you're like i want to fucking kill you like chill out you know what i mean like relax um of course you would never harm your children but this movie takes that premise and just kind of dials it up to 11 you know what i mean yeah it it takes that premise and also for a movie that is really ultra violent strangely enough it's almost like a weird kid empowerment movie by the time you get to the end which i thought was a lot of fun they're taking back control over the folks right but Yeah. yeah there's some cageisms in this one too man remember the scene in the basement with the pool table uh, yep. it, it, that's this one, right? Where he has the, <laughs> that's this one where he just, he kind of flips. Out. Yeah, yes. Yeah. It, I mean, if you can get him to freak out in a movie, it's probably on my list. Maybe not my number four, but I feel like 
strangely enough, I think that's why he's so popular. And I think that's why a lot of times people watch movies mm-hmm. d- that they know he's in just for those scenes. Well, listen, man, I'm going to go different uh, in terms sure. in terms of what we're used to with Nicolas Cage. And my number five is a movie that I just had the opportunity to see a couple days ago. And I wanted to see it so bad when it came out. And I never did. And then as mm-hmm. life happens, it gets pushed to the back burner and so on and so forth. But I knew we were doing this list. And I'm like, man, I'm, I'm going to finally watch this because... Obviously, I wouldn't have been able to put it on my list had I not. But I, I loved it so much, and I was not, you know, I was afraid I was going to be let down by it because I remember when it came out five or six years ago, people were raving about it, and there was even discussion that he might get another Oscar nomination for it, which he, he ended up not getting that. But it's a movie called Joe that came out in 2013. Did you ever see Joe? I have never seen it, no. Well, I highly, highly recommend it because this is one of the very, very few films, and we've been talking about it since we started recording, but this is one of the very few films, if not, I mean, we're talking maybe two or three over the course of his entire resume, where it's not about his Mm. over-the-top kind of outlandish performance. It's a very subdued and a very calm Nick Cage in this movie, that is a very dramatic acting on on display here, very reminiscent to like a leaving Las Vegas where there's no freak out scene. There's no like cageisms right. built in there. But just real quick, I mean, I'll just give you a, without giving away any spoilers since you haven't seen it, because sure. I would highly recommend you see it if you're a Nicolas Cage fan. But yeah. he's basically a lumberjack and he has his own business, you know, cutting down trees and doing, you know, just burly man work in this small town. And he ends up kind of befriending this uh, young 15-year-old kid, and he gives him a job working for him. Uh, by the way, the kid is played by Ty Sheridan, and he does an, ama- oh, yeah, does an okay. amazing job in it. But we come to find out that uh, Ty Sheridan's character is homeless and that his dad basically beats him, uh, and he's just having a really, really rough childhood. And, and Joe, portrayed by Nicolas Cage, kind of inserts mm-hmm. his, himself into that kid's life to help him. Uh, and kind of comes kind of at a, at a head there towards the end with the father, you know, that that is so controlling over the little boy and Joe wanting to get redemption for what we find out from his past as well and why he has such a strong connection to this kid. So it's a very it's very deep subject matter. There's not any comedy in it. I mean, it's a very dramatic film, but Nicolas Cage really shows that he can be quote unquote normal. <laughs> sure, and sure. I hate, I hate to say it that way, but I mean, he can act. I mean, I don't know how else to yeah. put it. Like he is a great actor and he doesn't have to do the really crazy off the wall shit to get people's attention. And I feel like in Joe, he really, really did that. He was a really tortured kind of subdued character. Uh, he's, you know, he, he's, it's still Nick Cage. I mean, you're looking at him, so you know, it's Nick Cage. And if, if you love <laughs> Nick Cage, you love him. And you, you kind of wonder, like, is he going to kind of flip out or do some kind of weird scene? But he doesn't. He just really carries a really power wow. powerful performance in that movie. And I'll just, the last thing I want to mention is that it was directed by David Gordon Green, who is a local guy oh, here. Oh, okay. And he did the, the recent Halloween reboot. Sure. And uh, I, love, wow. I love his kind of gritty filmmaking as well. So that's my number five, Joe. I would definitely recommend checking it out, Doug. Listen, I think that's fantastic. A Nick Cage coming of age story. Mm. I, I would watch that. And, and like you say, I mean, if it's a, if it's a more, let's say measured performance, I think that that's something that I really enjoy seeing from actors that, that I don't really, you know, expect from them. Right. So if he's doing that, because I've seen him in stuff where it's straight to streaming, where he's sleepy. 
Like you can tell he doesn't want to be there right. and he's just sort of wandering through the scenes and then he'll freak out for two minutes. But uh, that sounds really great. Yeah, it's, it's it a great film, man. And like I said, there was even like Oscar buzz for him when that came out, but it just didn't have a big enough following yeah. and a big enough release to get him any traction. But I'm disappointed that I waited five years to see it. So sure. actually longer. It came out in 2013. But yeah, check it out. It's actually on. Where did I watch it on? I just watched it on Stars. It's on Star. It's okay. on Stars right now. If anybody has the opportunity to stream that, so my that's my number five, Joe. Back over to you for your number four, buddy. What do you got? All right, we're gonna go way back. We're gonna get in that time machine, and we're gonna go back to 1983. Mm-hmm. Uh, a very young Nick Cage, a teenage Nick Cage. Well, I don't know if he was a teenager, but uh, he plays a teenager in Valley Girl. Nice. I love this movie, man. It did. You've seen it? Okay, oh, yeah, I yes, saw it. It's, it's been a while. It didn't make my list just because I haven't seen it in so long. But I remember sure. this very fondly. Yeah, I mean, and I, I only saw it a few years ago. We did it for my podcast. Uh, it's very Romeo and Juliet-esque, let's say, where Nick Cage plays sort of a punk kid. I think he's from Hollywood. Um, and he meets Deborah Foreman, who is the typical valley girl. I mean, we come to find out that she's not uh, that high society type valley girl. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they fall for each other. And it, he's so sweet in this movie. And he's so sincere and, and as you just said with Joe, there's nothing really crazy about his performance. You can tell that it's there. And the other thing about his performance in this is that you can tell that he's the shining star of this. I mean, even watching him way back then, you were like, okay, this guy, they, they saw something in him in this film. And, and you can see it even now, even, what, almost 40 years out. You can it's crazy, see man. And, yeah. Yeah. And there's a great scene. My, my favorite scene is when he gets kicked out of the party when he goes into a party to sort of talk to uh, Deborah Foreman and he gets kicked out so he sneaks into the bathroom and then hides in the shower and waits for her to use the bathroom <laughs> just so he can talk to her which sounds uh, creepy yeah a little bit yeah. but it is so sweet and and he plays it so well in this film that's awesome man I, I want to revisit this one and it was it was on a bunch of lists when I was doing my research I just haven't seen it in so long but it's a great pick man yeah. I do love Valley Girl so good pick buddy yeah, it's fantastic. Well, this is a popular one for me. This is probably a fan favorite, my number four. And mm-hmm. it's, uh, I, I just, I wanted to put one of two movies in my top five. So one of them didn't make the cut I'll mention here in a second. This is the other one that I felt like of the two that I'm talking about, one of them had to be here. And I enjoy this one more than the other one. And it may be on your list. If not, I'll mention it in my honorable mentions. But my number four is sure. a film called Con Air. Put the bunny back in the box. I knew you was a punk, and I was right. You've been playing us all along. You a free man. I said, put the bunny back in the box. Okay, it's not on my list. It's not on my honorable mentions. It's one I took off the list yeah. after watching it recently. You know, with that being said, that's actually f- fair enough because with that being said, I haven't seen this in quite a few years. I want to say yeah. the last time I saw this, it was on like TBS or TNT or something and I stopped to watch it for a little while. Uh, so I haven't sat down and given this a, a really fresh rewatch, but I have fond memories of this film, man. I mean, the hair with the mullet and the the gif of his hair blowing in the wind on the runway you know <laughs> i just picture that that shit and it's just so nostalgia based and john cusack's awesome john malkovich is a great villain in this film uh you know when he's when he's uh got the gun to the bunny's head i mean that's an iconic scene <laughs> ving rames is in there steve buscemi 
I mean, this is just a bunch of like criminals on this plane hijacking this plane and it's just a fun like ride you know and it's it's a wild ride it sort of straddles that like so bad it's good line and and maybe i should have watched it from that perspective but i remember when i was you know when i was a kid i forget what 15 17 years old i forget you know how old i was when this came out but i loved it as a kid right same here it was it was a wild ride it was so exciting and you know big explosions and all that great stuff any teenage kid loves and man i watched it recently and i was like this is terrible (laughs) it's i think it is i think it is i think it is a bad movie but i think that's part of its charm if i'm being honest and then kind of sure and then kind of the nostalgia like you said too because i do think back to i mean this came out in 97 so i wasn't super young i was probably in college but i was in college i graduated in 94 so Mm -hmm. i have fond memories of it it's like one of those just kind of cheesy like summer blockbusters you know what i mean it's kind of like kind of like in the same family as the diehard films where it's just like so over the top and you have to have such a suspense of disbelief to be able to get through it but you know, any movie with Nicolas Cage and a wife beater with a mullet just, you know, kicking ass. I mean, what what, do you, what can he do? You know, I mean, you just got to like have a fond kind of memories of, of, of that. And that's what I do. So of the of the five that I'm naming here uh, and that, like I said, there's another one of my honorable mentions that this was vying with to be in the top five. But I don't want to put them both in there. But of the five that I have listed in my top five, this is probably the only quote unquote cheesy entry, if that makes sense. Okay. Um, where it's not like a cinematic like masterpiece. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> where you kind of watch it and go, wow, this is a piece of shit. But Nicolas Cage, I'm so memorable in that, though. I mean, am I right? I mean, I'm not oh, the only no, one that thinks that, I hope. No, I, I think you're exactly right. And I think another reason why I didn't choose it is because of just the, the cast list you rattled off. I mean, you know, Malkovich is so amazing. Yeah. And and it's strange enough, but when I think of this movie, I don't think of Nick Cage wow. first or maybe even second. Okay. Like Steve Buscemi, like for some reason, his performance in that, because I guess I was so creeped out by everything he was doing and you know he's sitting there with that little girl having a tea yeah. party i'm like yep. wait isn't he like a child murderer like should i be entertained by this right. Why do I? so straight <laughs> yeah so strangely enough nick cage is not a part of that movie that really sticks out to me even though he's pretty much the main player well that's funny man yeah i just i don't know i just can't let go of nostalgia for con air man i love that it's one of those 90s blockbuster films that you, you just never don't forget, need you know? to apologize for that come on <laughs> Uh, I don't have any hair either, so maybe I'm a little jealous of Nicolas Cage's <laughs> hair doing that film. I wish I could have that. But hey, I'm in the same boat as you. <laughs> maybe that's why I don't like yeah, it. Yeah, I know you're so envious of it, right? <laughs> right. All right, man. So we're up to you for your number three, buddy. What do you got? All right. If, you know what? If we're gonna go with uh, guilty pleasures, here it is, number three from '89. It's Vampire's Kiss. Nice. Oh, unless, of course, it's somehow been misfiled. But misfiled? Yes, misfiled. Sometimes somebody puts a document in the wrong file and then it's misfiled. It makes it much harder to find. Who? Who? What do you mean, who? I don't know who exactly. You don't? No, I don't. Whoever filed it in the first place, but for God's sakes, Peter, I am not telling you one single thing you don't already know. How could somebody misfile something? What could be easier? It's all alphabetical. You just put it in the right file, according to alphabetical order. 
You know, A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, K, L, M, N, O, P, Q, R, S, T, U, V, W, X, Y, Z! That's all you have to do! I love this movie. This is a Nick Cage performance unlike anything where he doesn't even appear to be in the same movie as anyone else. (laughs) He is doing his own thing. Isn't, isn't playing off of anyone else in this movie. It is wild just to watch him swing between just madness and then go into this oddly, like uncomfortably reserved, (laughs) just like (laughs) delivery of lines sometimes. So for people that don't know, he plays a literary agent who's seeing a shrink because he thinks he's going mad and he's probably right (laughs) because he meets a woman at a club and she bites him and quote unquote feeds and then leads him to believe that he's becoming a vampire. Mm -hmm. He runs around this movie with a bandaid over his, again, in quotes, neck bite. He wears, he puts in plastic vampire teeth to cover the real vampire teeth. Wow. It's a silly movie and it's also kind of sad because you're like, if this guy was a real human being, this would be the saddest thing ever. Right, 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 right. And And um, it's it's 80s cage too, man. It's hard to beat. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's late 80s cage. Also, he's a literary agent, wears a suit all the time, but he, he has like a surfer accent. Like he's in, like he's in adventures of Bill and Ted, like mm. Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. It's crazy. I, I can't even explain how nuts this movie is. Everybody should check it out. Everybody's probably seen the little, you know, ABCDEFGHIJ kit where he goes through the alphabet right, scene and right. gets more manic as he goes. Right. That's pretty much the entire movie. If you like that little clip, watch the whole thing. It's, it's, a hundred minutes of that. That's awesome, man. Yeah, this is much like Valley Girl. This is another one that I haven't seen in way too long. And yeah. uh, I wanted a chance to revisit some of those before we recorded. But I do remember kind of the I mean, there's gifts from this one, too, you know, with his oh, with yeah. his eyes bulging and just the whole <laughs> the whole manic kind of uh, repertoire that he has in that film, which is perfect for Nick Cage, obviously, which is what we've been, kind of been saying all night long. It is. It's perfect. Like the fact that he climbs under his couch because he thinks it's his coffin. Like <laughs> there are so many times where you're laughing out loud in a movie like this. And like I said, he's not. He's in his own film, and I just I love that about this. I do too, man. I, I just wonder what anybody else on set was thinking while this was going on. All right, so that's your number three, Vampires Kiss. Yeah. A couple '80s picks there, back to back for you. I like that. So my number three is not. My number three is recent. It just came out last, or actually a year before last, 2018. I can't, I keep forgetting it's 2020, Doug. But sure. I, but I am a huge horror fanatic, as you know, if you listen to the show. But it's Panos Cosmatosis Mandy is my number three. You got it. You got it. You didn't butcher his name. <laughs> I think I did, right? Cosmatos. Is that right? That's all right. And you know what? This is my number two. So we're, we're overlapping finally. Oh, okay. Finally, yeah. So, yeah. I mean... It, well, I'll let you talk about it too, since you're gonna. It's gonna be coming up for you, but I'll, right. we, we can segue yeah. to that. But my the reason it's on my list is the horror kind of love that I have is just overflowing here. And I also love the cinematography and the way the film is shot. It's a very beautifully shot film. It's almost like a dream or a nightmare, depending on how you look at it. Uh, it doesn't seem real uh, the way the way that it's portrayed on camera, which I love. There's a lot of pinkish hues and bright reds. Uh, you know, Nicholas Cage does have his moment of cageism in this film when he has to witness what happens to his girl, and then he has the bathroom scene where he breaks down, which is which is infamous if you're a Nick Cage fan. 
But that was also, it was a cage-ism, if you will, but that was also a very pure kind of, you felt the pain that that, that character would have would have felt if that had happened. Yeah. You know, because it's not only did she die and what happened to her, but he had to mm-hmm. witness it. I mean, it was torture yeah. for him. And, you know, that he had to witness it with his own eyes. And it was, uh, that's the moment in the film when the film really shifts gears too. And it turns into a kind of psychotic horror film and he's on the revenge war path and to see him to see him to see Nicolas Cage go through that was really awesome too and he hadn't done anything really like this and he's done so many things that you would think it would be hard to say that but I feel like Mandy was was kind of new territory for him as an actor you know in that horror kind of action realm so I loved it man it was one of my favorite movies of 2018 and uh, it remains one of my favorite Nick Cage films. That's why it's my number three. Why did you? You so it's going to be your number two. It's, it's my number two. Okay, cool. I mean, for for the, I mean, all the same reasons you just said. I mean, it, this is unlike anything that Nick Cage has done, but strangely enough, seems made for him as an actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he's he's wonderful in this role, and and as you said, I mean, this film turns into a nightmare at about the halfway point. But before that, it's so beautiful mm-hmm. and it's trippy and it's dreamy. And and uh, what's her name? Andrea Riseborough. Um, she's phenomenal in this film. Mm-hmm. Just absolutely wonderful. But when it when it all comes crashing down, then you just get these wonderful little scenes. He forges like a cool ass battle axe. Like mm-hmm. at one point does a bunch of coke LSD mix. He meets a tiger. He has a chainsaw mm-hmm. fight with a guy. Right. Like it is a wild ride, but it's so much fun. And the film start to finish is gorgeous. I mean, this is just, I agree. you could, uh, uh, whatever, cut out all the dialogue, ha- have the music and, and the visuals. And I am still in a hundred percent on this film. It's it's phenomenal. Like you said, I think this might be my favorite film of uh, 2018. Oh, nice. Well, yeah. it, I mean, you got the Cheddar Goblin. Don't forget about that scene. The Cheddar Goblin. I mean, so many memorable like takeaways from the movie, like the end when uh, Nick Cage has the bloody face kind of at the end of his revenge mm-hmm. war path and he's driving oh. the car, you know? Yeah, and he looks over and he sees her and just the smile on it, the, the yep. terrifying yep. satisfaction. Just satisfaction on his face is crazy. Yeah, I just and I love. I it. just love how this movie is shot, really, and it's just so beautiful, yeah. beautifully done. Like, like I said, kind of like a dream sequence throughout the whole movie. And then I've never taken LSD, but it's almost like a you're on a trip too, like an LSD trip. Oh. And I don't know. I just I love that kind of manic type of filmmaking, but it's also so beautiful at the same time. And Nicolas Cage yeah. is that type of actor too, where he's very manic, but mm-hmm. also he can be a very beautiful actor as well. So. I thought it was a great marriage uh, to bring him into that project. So Mandy is my three. It's your two. Two. Which leads me to my two. So my number Uh two is a film that is one of my favorite movies of all time. And we were just talking about the the way Mandy was shot. And you'll see Mm -hmm. a pattern here with my number two because it's a very similar kind of style where you feel like you just drop some type of drugs while you're watching it, but you're completely sober. And I think the kind of founding father for that type of filmmaking is David Lynch. And in 1990, he did a film called Wild at Heart. And uh, that's my number two. He sure did, because it's my number one. Oh, damn. Okay. (laughs) Nice. You know what? That makes me really happy, to be honest, because this, for some reason, I feel like a lot of people that are like, quote unquote, Nick Cage fans aren't really into Wild at Heart. I don't know why. Like, I feel like that's not one of his most popular. Do you know what I mean? But No, it's not. But uh, I 
and I don't know why I think it's, I mean, I think it's the whole David Lynch thing. Some, some of his work is certainly difficult for people to connect with. Mm-hmm. I, I get Yeah, that, absolutely. But, yeah. You know, but it's, it's a fantastic film. Go ahead. No, I mean, I love it. It's, I mean, yeah. the soundtrack's amazing. You know, the, the yep. score and the soundtrack are great, but it's basically like they're on the run. And I also love Laura Dern. This was early in her career. Uh, she just won the Oscar this year for Marriage Story. Yeah, so I mean, full we're circle. In a, we're in a, yeah, we're in like a Dernaissance right, right now. So exactly. everybody should check this movie out if you've never seen exactly. it. Exactly. And Willem Dafoe's in there and he's amazing. Crispin Glover was pretty young in his career. Obviously, yeah. Harry, De- Harry Dean Stanton, who was a staple in David Lynch works, uh, is in this film as well. Uh, we got the wonderful Wicked Game tune from Chris Isaac that came from this uh-huh. soundtrack. A lot of people don't realize that it was featured in this movie before it became a big hit. But it's just another one that's beautifully shot, uh, almost like a dream sequence. There's some great action pieces in the film when when Sailor and Lula are on the run. But it's just also a beautiful love story. And um, it's like kind of a callback to like a Bonnie and Clyde type kind of forbidden love story, you know? Yes. And my recollection from the film is her parents are actually trying to have him killed. And she obviously (laughs) goes with him because that's the person she's in love with. And... So that's the narrative of the story is that her family wants to kill the guy that she's falling for. And uh, they're basically on the run and they're trying to to get away. So it's I just remember seeing this. I mean, this came out in 1990. So I must have seen it shortly after that. I mean, I was a young kid. I mean, I would have been 15 or 16. So it was very impressionable on me uh, in terms of just, you you know, at that age, you feel like you're watching it. and You shouldn't be because it's a little it's a little taboo and there's violence and nudity and you know things that you know most 15 to 16 year olds shouldn't be subjected to at that young of an age (laughs) and then on top of that is david lynch so it's fucking weird you know what i mean yeah um but you just have to step you just kind of like stumble after it when you see it it's kind of like you're staggering around like or if you saw it in a theater you probably stagger out of the theater after watching it it's a very kind of uh it kind of blindsides you because it's a love story but it just feels like so much more um, going oh, going yeah. on around it. It's your number one, so why why do you love it? Yeah, and I'm I'm again in the same boat with you. I was I was probably roughly the same age when I saw it, and and I didn't understand it the first time I saw it. I, I didn't get it. It didn't connect with me, and it wasn't until after I saw Lost Highway that I went, okay, this David Lynch guy. Maybe I should go back and I should check out some things that he's done. And it's probably honestly, it's probably behind. Lost Highway and Mulholland Drive. It's probably my third favorite Lynch movie, Mm -hmm. but that still probably puts it in my top 50 films of all time, Mm -hmm. honestly. Yeah, yeah, and and like you said, I I think Diane Ladd as Lula's mother Mm -hmm. is phenomenal. I think she was up for an Oscar for this film, if I'm not mistaken. Um, But that whole idea of them sort of being on the run is just an excuse for these wonderful vignettes and these crazy, weird, creepy people that they meet along the way. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, you didn't even mention Willem Dafoe as Bobby Peru with those teeth in Mm -hmm. there. Like, it, it is... It's it's a super gross performance by him. Yeah. And you feel like they're in danger the whole time with anyone they meet. Yeah. Um, I love the fact that Cheryl Lee of Twin Peaks fame plays Glenda the Good Witch in that sort <laughs> yep. of like vision that he has. Yep. Me too. This is it's such a quotable movie when he talks about his snakeskin jacket. Like I 
if you have not seen this movie, anyone, if you're a fan of Lynch and you haven't seen it, first of all, what's wrong with you? Mm -hmm. If you're a fan of Laura Dern or Nick Cage, it all comes together into such a bizarre movie. Mm -hmm. Like when they go to that club and he ends up leading the band in Elvis Presley's Love Me for no reason, no reason at all. (laughs) It's just... But it's a great road trip movie. If you like those types of movies, if you like crime movies, if you just like weird shit, check this movie out. That's why it's my number one. Well, I'm kind of bummed, too, because I wanted to rewatch this film and it's not yeah. available to stream. I um, I own it on Blu-ray, yeah. but I let someone borrow it a few months ago. And now I wanted to rewatch it today, oh. actually, because I, I was off work today and I wanted to rewatch it today. Yeah. Actually, I'm like, oh, yeah, let such and such borrow that. So I, there's a beautiful. Do you have the uh, the Shout Factory one that they put out just a couple of years ago? I have the quote unquote collector's edition, so I wonder if that is the one I have. Okay, that Maybe. might be it. It's it's really great. There's the, all the extra features are fantastic on that thing. But yeah, David Lynch, man, one of the all times. I love Eraserhead. Is probably my favorite movie of yeah. his. Uh, one of his first, if not his first, from the '70s. But Wild at mm-hmm. Heart would probably be a close number two for me. Uh, but just a great, very visionary, unique style of filmmaking. And we've already been talking about it all night. That Nicolas Cage is a unique style of acting. So just, yeah, I, I feel like it's a, it's a film where there are so many great performances across the board. Every person that we've mentioned, but no one quite outshines him. Mm-hmm. Everybody feels like they're on the same level in that film. And that's another reason why I love it. Yeah, I agree, man. So that's your number one. So yeah. we're flying through here. The only thing left to reveal is my number one. My number one sure. is probably the first, like, at least that I can remember, Nicolas Cage movie that I saw. And mm-hmm. there were others before it, but I saw them after. You know, like I went and re- rewatched them after. But it was 1987's Raising Arizona is my number one. All right. I know you're worried, honey, but believe me, there ain't a thing to be worried about. We're absolutely going to get him back. There just ain't no question about that. We'll get him back. That's just all there is to it. And you want to know another thing? I'm going to be a better person from here on out. That's final. That's absolutely the way it's going to be. That's official. You were right. I was wrong. A blind man could tell you that. Now, they ain't going to hurt him, honey. They're just in it for the score. But I ain't like that no more. I'm a, I'm a changed man. You were right. I was wrong. We got a family here. I'm going to start acting responsibly. So let's go, honey. Let's go get Nathan Jr. Absolutely love this film, man. To this day, just the Cohen or Joel Cohen actually, but the Cohen brothers were involved in this film as as a duo. I love the Cohen brothers, of course. So that uh-huh. style of filmmaking is great. This was the infancy stages of their career as filmmakers, and it's just such a dry humor, you know. And it's John Goodman's in there. We already mentioned Nicolas Cage, obviously, and then Holly Hunter. Just such a wonderful kind of it's like a heist movie, really, yeah. uh, except instead of trying to steal money, they're stealing a baby. And it's this over the top Nathan, Arizona character. Uh, and they have all these babies running around. I think she had six tuplets or something or yeah. something like that. <laughs> yes, and they don't even they all look the same. They don't even they had to put their names on their cribs so they knew who was who, you know. And, uh, <laughs> you know, this bounty hunter gets hired to kind of chase or to, to find the baby. And then he finds out Nicholas Cage and Holly Hunter have the baby. So they're on the run from him. John Goodman ends up taking the baby. They leave him on the hood of the car. I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's just a really just fucking crazy plot. If, if, if you sit down and read it on paper, mm-hmm. but it just plays so like normal. I don't know. It's hard to explain. Yeah. It's like a very like just chill movie, even though all this crazy shit's going on in the, in this, in the plot. 
but Nicolas Cage is just beautifully like just so quiet and just so like <laughs> dumb, like dumb kind of throughout the movie, and, you know? And I think it was, is this the Coen brothers second film after blood simple? You know what? I don't know. I was going to say it was their first, but I didn't want to misquote myself there. But okay, uh, it's either their first or second. But when you take those two films, then you can see they basically took both of those and mashed them together for their filmography. After that, I mean, these two films really give you a sense of what these directors can do. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I watched an interview when I was just you know going through YouTube uh, preparing for this. An interview with Nick Cage where he was talking about the fact that his idea was to give his character that Woody Woodpecker tattoo. <laughs> nice. He was like, I don't know, he just seems like the kind of guy who would have a Woody Woodpecker tattoo. And then he was talking about how he would rub his hair with his hand and try and mold his hair to make it look like Woody Woodpecker's, which is a Actually, failure, I think. Yeah, but he like, does have it's a... pretty crazy. But he does have those moments where his hair is all, like, oh, sticking all over the place. His hair and mustache combination in this movie are fantastic. This is the best, man. It's, it's, yeah, this was an honorable mention of mine, definitely. I mean, even his name, H.I. McDie, you know. H.I. McDie. And how he meets Holly Hunter in the prison because he goes to jail so often that he gets to know yes. her, you know, because she's a cop there yep. fingerprinting him. And, uh, so great. But so many off characters. I mean, John Goodman is phenomenal in this. And I don't, I can't remember the actor that plays his brother, but they're kind of like a dumb and dumber yeah. duo that escape from jail uh-huh. and end up at Nick Cage's house. And then that turns into a whole subplot. Uh, one of my favorite. I love it. I love it. It's a great choice. I don't, I think the only reason why it didn't make my top five is it has been so long since I've seen this movie. What I, I need, it's, it's due for a rewatch. One of my favorite little things, man, is when they're introducing the bounty hunter, you know, the badass guy that's chasing them down oh, yeah, yeah, and yeah. how he has no regard for human life. And yep. he's driving through the desert and he just pulls out a double barrel shotgun and blows away that little like lizard yeah. that's crawling yeah. on the rock. Like a gecko or something. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, it's just great. And he throws the grenade out and the bunny comes over and sniffes and it explodes, uh-huh. you know? Yep. Um, so yeah, Raising Arizona, if you're a fan of like Coen Brothers type of filmmaking and just kind of that dry, witty humor um, that they that kind of show up in a lot of their movies, Raising yeah. Arizona is really where it started. And this was one of the early, early films from Nicolas Cage too. It took place in 1987, but he's just a very quiet kind of dumbed down kind of he- oh, hero yeah. in this film. You know what I mean? Uh, and I love the fact that it's it's straight comedy. I mean, Coen Brothers do things later on that have comedic moments, but can actually be quite sad and, and tragic. And this is straight comedy, and it is done so well, and everyone in it is playing their part perfectly. And it is, again, we've said it on multiple occasions when talking about Nick Cage, it's a wild ride and just such a fun movie to watch. Yep. Okay, then. All right, so Raising Arizona is my number one. Uh, so we we couldn't fit every movie that we love into our top five, Doug. So did you want to give some honorable mentions over there? I know we typically try to round out our top ten here. So what did you have for your honorables? Yeah, uh, I already mentioned that Raising Arizona is on there. Uh, also a movie um, that I, I love the movie uh, is Matchstick Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, me too. But it doesn't, it doesn't feel like a Nick Cage movie. Oh, okay. So that's why it got knocked out. Um, I also have Moonstruck on here because how can you not put Moonstruck on here? It's it's just a wonderful film, uh, a movie that I really really like, and I haven't met a whole lot of other people that love it. Is Peggy Sue Got Married? That's a good one. I like that one too. I haven't seen that Which one in a long time, really, but really I do fun. like that. Yeah, and then a movie that I'm not crazy about. I've watched it like two or three tra- times, trying to enjoy it. Mm-hmm. 
is bringing out the dead. Mm. Uh, Nick Cage is fantastic in the film. It's just one that doesn't quite connect with me. I, was gonna say, I don't think I've seen that one. It's where he's an ambulance driver. It's a, uh, um, mm. uh, who directed, I can't think of the guy's name, who directed Goodfellas. Uh, Scorsese? Yeah, it's a Scorsese film that oh. from the mid '90s that no one's ever heard. Yeah, of. Yeah, including me. I don't think I've seen that. Yeah. Okay. Well, here, yeah. here's what would have rounded out my top ten. My number six would have been Honeymoon in Vegas. Uh huh. Okay. <laughs> I love it. Rom com with James Caan <laughs> and Sarah Jessica Parker, and uh, kind of like an indecent proposal type storyline. Sure. And it's just, but it's a comedy. There's not a lot of drama to be had here. But you know, Nicolas Cage gets to perform an Elvis tune in this one as well, and. I don't know, it's just man. He's a weirdo. He's a guy who loves Elvis so much. He married Elvis's daughter. I know. Like, yeah, exactly. Nick Cage is so strange. Yeah, what the hell, bro? <laughs> My number seven is the other one that was vying for the spot that Con Air ended up getting, but it was Face Off with John Travolta and Nicolas Cage. I feel like that's one okay. of the. I feel like there's a few that are like pillars of Nicolas Cage's career, and Face Off would yep. be one of those. Exactly. And uh, my number eight is a recent one that I just saw. It just came out a few months ago, actually. is a 2019 film called Color Out of Space, which is based on mm-hmm. an H.P. Lovecraft movie. But again, or story, I'm sorry. But again, horror. So I'm going to love it, obviously. But I thought Nicolas Cage was great in it. He has some Cage-ism moments. But it was a wonderful story uh, based on a Lovecraft uh, story that I was familiar with. So I enjoyed that one a whole lot. Right. And then you already mentioned nine and ten for me. Would my number nine would have been Mom and Dad, and my number ten would have been Matchstick Men. Right. Also, no, fantastic. Also, a great performance by Sam Rockwell in that movie too. <laughs> I don't think any of us picked a straight to streaming movie, so I think we did our job. Uh, yeah, here. we did. We did. What we could, man. We had to we had to sift through it all, but we found them. So listen, right. uh, I you know I don't read these fan feedback suggestions as they happen i go back and kind of read them on the show so if you're cool with it man let's head over to social media and open up the old suggestion box and see what some of the fans had to say i'm going to start over on twitter i was joking with you before we started recording we got so many comments for nick cage (laughs) i'm not going to be able to even scratch the surface here but i'll do my best to mention ones that maybe we haven't mentioned yet Sure. So starting with Gidget Von LaRue, a recent guest on the show, and I love her. She listens every week. She said... She's fantastic on Twitter. Yeah, oh, I love her. her. Yeah, she's great. She said, Lord of War. What do you think of that one? I've never seen That's it. That's the one where he's like an arms dealer, I think. Yeah, it's got a great poster where his portrait's made of bullets. It's it's an awesome looking poster, but I've never seen the film. Let's see. LJ Human on Twitter. Now, how about this? We didn't mention, it was a little bit in our banter at the beginning, but it wasn't on either of our top tens leaving Las Vegas. I'm surprised by that, to be honest. Yeah, I, I think it's a good performance by him, but I don't know. It's it's too depressing, I guess. <laughs> it really is. I mean, a guy goes to Vegas to drink himself to death, but I mean, it does have Nick Cage and Elizabeth Shue, and he won the Oscar for that. So, I don't know. I'm just surprised we didn't mention it, but... yeah. No, I'm surprised. Not even in honorable mentions. Yeah, you're right. What about uh, The Wicker Man? We didn't mention that either. So Gray Tim over on Twitter <laughs> says, not the bees. He's got the gif of Nick Cage with the bees. Yeah. I mean, The Wicker Man's. That's another one where it's like just full-blown Cageisms. The Wicker Man is too crazy <laughs> for me. Like, it's it's too You couldn't much. even like, consider it. <laughs> and, I, and I'm also such a huge fan of the original that the, the tone of this was an absolute mess. <laughs> yeah, no, I could see that. I was surprised by this shout out. I don't, I know this is a little bit of a divisive kind of uh, mm-hmm. franchise because there's been a few of them now, but video game on Twitter says Ghost Rider. You got to get for Nicolas Cage as the Ghost Rider. Were you a fan of those I films? I don't even know if I've ever seen them. Oh, okay. Like, I, I feel like, I feel like I saw the previous enough to, to feel like I saw the movie, but I really don't think I've seen either. 
two, three. I don't even know how many were. I made. think there were three. The first one was okay. The sequels were, yeah. Yeah. But no, nah, I don't think I've seen a moment of them. The first one was all right. Let's see. Uh, Jet Jogwa 2.0 on Twitter has got Joe, Red Rock West, City of Angels, and Face Off. City of Angels was good. That was the one where he was a ghost, and it was Meg Ryan, I think. Yeah, the the uh, remake of Wings of Desire. My wife loves that movie. I've never seen it. Um, uh, Red Rock West was pretty good, though, from what I remember. <laughs> so there's a movie for that on Twitter. Says their answer is any movie where he steals something. <laughs> so that's their answer. So so uh, National Treasure one and two. I, I guess, guess. <laughs> that course of Independence would have been more specific, but. <laughs> uh michelle dodo i love her she's a patron of the show to the two piece oh she's fantastic she's a patron of ours as well nice. she's all over the yeah, place she's, love she's you. good people i love her so yes. uh, she's got i know this is blasphemy but i'm really not a nick cage fan but she said two movies that she does enjoy are raising arizona and peggy sue got married so, fantastic. so there you go ice in the face has got raising arizona they shared a really funny gif of nicholas cage just kind of looking like an idiot in it which is too good to be true mario and the bars got that awesome gif that we talked about with nicholas cage's blood-ridden face and mandy although they said mandy's so bad it's good i don't know that i agree with that i feel like it's easy killer easy uh all right so let's go over to facebook man on the fan page guys if you have not joined up yet please check the show notes to join our facebook fan community because that is where we interact with our fans the most week in and week out. And let's see what they had to say in the old suggestion box. So Justin from the Epic Film Guys says Mandy. Mm-hmm. I'm not surprised by that because he's a huge horror aficionado. Yep. Chris Yaney's got the favorite movie that he was in is The Rock. We didn't mention The Rock tonight. Wow, we didn't. I, I thought when you were talking about Con Air and you were alluding to another movie, I, I thought you were thinking about The Rock. Mm-hmm. The favorite role of his for Christiani is Ben Sanderson in Leaving Las Vegas. And okay. then honorable mentions would be everything five years on either side of those two. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. So I guess after like 2004, nothing really good happened. Well, I realized when I put my list on, I didn't have anything between 1990 and 2017. <laughs> <laughs> Phil Rude also said Raising Arizona, and Chris Green uh, agreed with him. Yeah, let's see. Tony Vanden Bush, love her. She also said Ghost Rider. She said probably not his best, but mm-hmm. we watch it whenever it comes on. And Chris Yandy said, well, yeah, it's got Sam Elliott in it, which is actually is good. Perry Wilson's got the aforementioned National Treasure movie. I'm going to steal the Declaration of Independence as a gift that he shared. (laughs) (laughs) My kids love that. My kids love that movie. Uh, Let's see. Jeff Burnham from Cadavercast. Love that dude. He's got Vampire's Kiss. He said it's pure gold, which I know you agree with. Oh, it's so fantastic. It really is, man. Travis Crawford, a contributor every week. Here's his five. Face Off, Matchstick Men, Vampire's Kiss, and Bringing Out the Dead. There you go. You mentioned that one earlier. Great, yeah. And Paul from The Countdown says, Con motherfucking air. <laughs> he also, I would disagree, but you know what? He, That's just one of us. He also mentioned Face Off, and then there was uh, Chris responded with a gift that says, I, put, I said, put the bunny back in the box. Uh, Matt Lewinsky, who is the dude that's kind of responsible for bringing us together, brother. He uh, loves loves both of our shows, and he pitched the idea, and he contributes every week, so I love Matt. He said, Gone in 60 Seconds, which is one that we didn't mention. That's a good – that was pre-Like Fast and the Furious, and it was kind of that type of movie. But I I like that. I like that that film. I thought it was a good ride. It is a 
fine movie. It's it's good from what I remember. I haven't seen it in a long time. I know a lot of people that love that movie, though. I should check it out again. Yeah, and then Matt also said National Treasure, which is a good one. Mm-hmm. National Treasure is cool because it's a movie that you can watch with the whole family. You know what I mean? And oh, of a course. lot of Nick Cage movies don't fall in that category. <laughs> there aren't that many, right? Um, but yeah, that was our top five Nick Cage movies. Doug, thanks so much for recommending this topic because he's such a fun actor to research. Yeah. You know, a lot of times you get the actor's name and they kind of come to you. But with Nicolas Cage, I feel like you have to research a little bit to dive, well, dive a little well, deeper, listen, you know. Yeah, I mean, I listened to you guys recently with your uh, Jim Carrey, or maybe it wasn't that recent. I don't remember. And and even with that, I was like, wow, how are you going to come up with five movies? I know it sounds yeah. dumb, but I guess I just didn't think about how much he was in. With this, when I went to Letterboxd and I typed in Nick Cage, I was like, oh, my God. Yeah, I, I'm like, exactly. we're going to pick five of these. That's what I was saying when Siri told me the results i'm like whoa siri easy i've only got a five i can do here all right man so doug why don't you tell the fans i know it's your first time on the show so they may not know i'll put all your information in the show notes as well but why don't you tell everybody where they can find you online brother thank you uh i co-host a movie podcast called good times great movies Uh, my co-host and i we only stay within the 80s that's it we only cover movies within the 80s and we sort of We have fun at the movie's expense, even great movies. Movies I love like RoboCop, we'll take the piss out of those movies. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't like to call us a bad movie podcast because we cover some really great movies, but we just sort of have fun. We don't take anything too seriously. You can find us wherever you find your podcasts, whatever. Just type in good times, great movies into a search engine. You'll find us. Nice, nice. I'll put all your info in the show notes too, Doug, and I I appreciate you being here, man. Hopefully you come back sooner than later. Hey, this was so much fun. Have me back anytime. Absolutely, man. So for Doug and for Mr. Nicholas Cage, thank you for joining us for this episode of Two Peas. We'll be back next week with another top five for you. Thanks, Doug. I'll talk to you soon, man. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening. Two Peas is an independent podcast. We rely on donations from our executive producers in order to release new content weekly. We would like to give a special thanks to all of our current producers. Kathy Ross, Dan Brennick, Caleb Brownlee, Justin Esquivel, Paul Chomo, Carmen Signy, Daniel Henderson, Michelle Dodo, and Tony Dobish. If you would like to become an executive producer and help us continue to release great content, please visit Two Peas on a Pod at patreon.com or check out the show notes for this episode. Again, we sincerely thank you for listening.